Greetings! On behalf of Pastor Joshua Lockett and Triad Christian Center, we welcome you to the Movement Podcast. 2019 is the year of the team player, and Pastor Josh challenges us to connect, join, and serve in the local ministry to advance the kingdom of God. We're glad you're joining us today, so let's tune in to this week's message. I want to go really quickly to Matthew Hallelujah. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 10, it says, and many will turn away. He's, Jesus is talking about later on. He's saying, many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And he says, and many, say, and many, will many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, say neighbor, say neighbor, but the one who endures to the end, will be saved. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. It says in the New Living Translation, and you should have your outlines. You can go and get those ready, get, a, get something to write with, and we're going to go through this. But Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 says, So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may what? Drift away from him. Drift away. Say, drift away. And tell him, say, I'm not talking about that song. Amen. It's an old school song about drifting away. <laughs> How many of you know what I'm talking about? Well, I was kind of talking about this. I looked it up and looked at the lyrics yesterday. I didn't play it, though. Amen. Because I didn't want it to cause me to drift away. No. Hopefully, I can still be your pastor after that. Amen. Colossians 1, verse 23. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, drift away. In Colossians 1, verse 23, it says, but you must. Oh, I'm sorry. Verse 22. It says, it says in verse 22, yet now he has reconciled you to himself. How? Through the death of Christ in his physical body. And it says, as a result, it says, What? He has brought you into his own presence and tell your neighbor, say neighbor, and say, you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But then verse 23 says something additional. It says, but you must continue, say continue, to believe this truth and stand what? Firm in it, firmly in it. Don't do what? Drift away. There goes that word. There goes those words again. Drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world. And I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to 
proclaim it. I got one more scripture. So he got one more scripture for you before we talk a little bit more. James 5 verse 19 says this, And my dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought, what does it say? Back. That means they got out of place. You can be sure that whoever brings who? The sinner back will save that person from death and do what? And bring about the forgiveness of many sins. Um, this month, even into June, we are starting a series. We started a series last week on questions. And if you have questions after this message today, please feel free to fill out one of these question cards in the foyer. And uh, you can fill it out anonymously and give us your question. But last week, we, uh, we talked about uh, where does God stand? And we talked about uh, where does God stand concerning evil? And we established that God is, is, is not evil. God is good. God created things and things went bad. They went sour. Amen. And there was a, uh, a question uh, that it wasn't even from, from you all per se, but it was a question that I saw where it was saying, basically, if God is the creator, did he create the devil? And really, the answer to that is yes and no. The reason why it's yes is because he, I believe he created Lucifer, but he, he did not make the devil the devil. Lucifer created the devil. Lucifer was corrupted into the devil. And so it's just like good milk and sour milk. He, was, he got out of place and he went sour. And his sour self was, was Satan. His good self was Lucifer. So he was perverted and... And God, so God did not create evil. We talked about how God plans or uses evil, that evil is like a basketball in his hand. He uses it. We talked about how everything works together for the good of them that love him. And we, we brought up that scripture. And so we kind of articulated where does God, where does God stand? Where does God stand? We kind of answered that last week. And I really, uh, I talked about as well, uh, if there was a scripture, at least on your outline, about how God is patient with those on whom his anger will come. And we talked about, again, going back to how God uses all evil uh, to work together for good. And I really didn't, I don't really believe I answered this, but there was a question that did come from the people. It says, if, 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 if the, why doesn't God just remove the devil? Why doesn't he just destroy the devil? And I believe this, and I know this is an easy answer to give, but I believe that God still has purpose for the devil. Because God's intention sometimes is to use people to make his glory shine brighter. I remember years ago, and I haven't even gotten to the really the message yet. I mean, I have, but I'm, just stay with me. I'm going to take you to a side street, then we're going to come back to the main street. Then I'm going to get you on the highway and so you can go to Golden Corral. Amen. But I remember... Last year, my brother went to go receive an award. It was either there or it was another game. But how many of you ever been to the Grasshoppers baseball? You know what I'm talking about? Can we talk about baseball in church? Okay. So I went to the Grasshoppers game, and it was at the end of the game, they turned the lights down. And then they started the, they started the light show. And I'm not talking about guns. It was fireworks. Amen. And all of a sudden, the, the, the fireworks start going up in the air. But if I'm not mistaken, they turned the lights down. What's the idea? Why you need to turn the lights down? That's what I would guess. That's the reason why they did it. So when things are darker, the light shines what? 
So I believe that God, the Bible says where sin abounds, grace abounds that much more. I believe that God uses the resistance of the enemy to get more glory. Matter of fact, who was it that helped to get Jesus on the cross? It was Satan. It was Judas, but who influenced Judas? Satan. So really, and then when Jesus went on the cross, the Bible says he's publicly shamed every enemy by his victory over them in the what? Cross. So the devil actually, his wickedness was actually used to defeat him. He actually caused his, 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 he actually defeated himself. Have you ever saw somebody lose a game for themselves in basketball? They messed it up for themselves. The devil messed it up because God used his wickedness against him. And because of that, think about it. If there was no devil in the world, <laughs> how would we ever be saved? You said Jesus. But who would have put Jesus on the cross if nobody would ever messed anything up? Without wickedness, nobody would have put Jesus on the cross. They would have praised him the whole time. You say, well, that's why God, Jesus was a plan B. No, he wasn't. Plan A, Ephesians 1 verse 4 says that before the world was ever formed, God chose us in Christ. That means before someone ever sinned, God had already planned for us to be inside of Jesus. So it was always God's plan A to put us with Jesus. And that only came through the cross. Are y'all with me? So God used the wickedness of the enemy to bring about glory. Genesis 50 verse 20, if you can just help me out while I do a little review. Genesis 50 verse 20 says this. Genesis 50 verse 20 says, you intended to harm me, but God did what? Intended for the good. So in so many words, whatever evil you've been walking through in your life, here's the word I want to give you. God can use it for your good. Can I get an amen about that? Tell your neighbor, neighbor, God can use that financial situation for your good. God can use that relational situation for your good. God can even use that health situation for your good because the Bible says he works everything together for the what? And that brings him glory. Amen. It makes his riches shine brighter. It's a very, you know, it's very... A lot of times, and I said this last week, people associate God's goodness with pleasure. In other words, if it feels good, it must be good. But the devil feels good sometimes. But he's evil. Twinkies can taste good sometimes. Let me go to the side. Twinkies can taste good. Let me go to the side. Twinkies taste good. But y'all know how long their shelf life is. And think about all that in your system. Is that good? Come on now. Somebody said, yes, that's good. What about Takis? Y'all kids get them all the time. Taki chips. To kids, they're good. But that don't mean they're good for you. Let's talk about Mountain Dew. Y'all ain't talking to me. <laughs> I have to do that sometimes. Cause... So my point in saying all this is that it might taste good, but that don't mean it's good for you. And things that don't feel good, like, or don't taste good, like, like broccoli and cauliflower. And <laughs> sometimes God uses the things that don't taste good for your good. I mean, sometimes all we want to, we want to sit down at the dinner table and we just want to eat Takis and Twinkies all, all day long spiritually. And God said, no, I can't give you Twinkies because that's going to put you in a hospital. Amen. And so anyway, long story short, God uses evil for good purposes. 
God gets the glory, I believe. And so the enemy, I believe, is in a position where he's nothing more than a pawn that God uses to get glory. Amen? And so with that being said, we have some other questions that were given to us, and I want to go over those. And it says, I believe I am saved by the blood of Christ. Am I truly saved if I continue to, to do things intentionally against what the Bible say is sin? For example, but not all these things, curse people out. Y'all don't, look, don't, don't be looking like that. Because if the truth be told this week, amen. Curse people out, maybe fornicate, watch demonic um, television shows, read the Bible daily. Since I proclaim Christ as Savior, don't I have my ticket to heaven? Yeah, I got the car right here if you want to see this. I'm going to read it one more time. I believe I am saved, washed by the blood of Christ. Am I truly saved if I continue to do things intentionally against what the Bible says is sin? For example, but not all these things, curse people out, maybe fornicate, watch demonic television shows, read the Bible daily. Since I proclaim Christ as Savior, don't I have my ticket to heaven? So basically the person, if I can summarize it, is basically saying, if I continue to willfully sin, do I still have a ticket to heaven if I proclaim Christ as my Savior? Isn't that a good question? We're going to try to navigate through this answer. Amen. And I just want to forewarn you before I get into this. It, I, it, don't be offended by what we say. Amen. If it's truth, then we take it. You know, I want to hear truth. I want to be changed. I want to be helped. Amen? But this is a good question because I believe today that you have the idea, and you might not have ever heard it, but it's once saved, always saved. Once saved, always saved. And basically what that means, and we wanna, I want to be considered of everybody. I'm not coming, I should come in here like everybody knows the way because everybody doesn't know the way. Are y'all with me? Some people believe that Mary might be the Savior. She ain't the one taking care of your sins, though. But some people believe that. And we want to be considerate of people's beliefs. Amen. Not that we become like them. And I believe in Jesus. I believe he's the way, the truth, the life. But at the same time, when you're in darkness and you're being deceived, you think you're right. And so we want to turn on the light today. Amen. So with that being said, the question basically is, can I continue living my life in sin and proclaim Jesus as Savior and go to heaven? That's what people, that's what somebody's asking. And basically, I really believe that hits on the question of, is there a such thing as once saved, always saved? And I believe I've already given you enough scriptures so far to let you know and prove to you that you can do what? You can drift away. So, what I'm going to do today is I'm going to help show you some signs that you are drifting away, that you are falling away from the faith. You can fall away. Tell your neighbor, you can drift away. Amen. It's like being on a boat and you just sit on that boat and you're not docked up and you just keep floating, 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 floating. Jesus! He called out his name. 
Why? Because you drifted away. And that's what some of us may realize today, that over time, you've been drifting away. You've been moving further and further away from God. That's a terrible feeling maybe for some people. You know, have you ever been in a car and you didn't know it was like in drive mode or reverse? You thought it had stopped? Maybe you get in your car washed, you thought it was in park, and you're behind somebody. Then your car just keep going for it. Next thing you know, you, you're sitting there, Lord, I love you. I thank you for all you. Boom! That thing was just moving, and you didn't even know. You couldn't sense that it was moving. You thought it was stable. It wasn't. It was moving. That's how some of us are with our, our Christian walk. It's a good thing if it's going the right way, but if it's going the wrong way, some of us don't realize that we're moving away from the things of God. So tell you next day, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna look at some signs. We're going to look at, we're going to try to look at some signs. Amen. And so I believe that is, I, I don't believe anybody should be surprised to make it into heaven. First of all, let me start off by saying that. What do I mean by that? No one should get there and say, oh, I actually made it. I didn't think I was going to make it. Everybody should know that they're going to make it, because your relationship with Jesus starts on earth. To be honest, eternal life starts on earth. Anyone who believes in me will never die, Jesus said. So eternal life starts right now. We're the ones who kind of disconnected the whole thing to where I'm going, and it is separate to a degree, don't get me wrong, but it's really not a lot of separation, more separation as we think it is sometimes. That's what I would say, at least maybe me and how I thought maybe. So what I'm saying is there should be no, really no surprises. That man on the cross, this is the good news, he was on the cross hanging beside Jesus, and he said, Lord, today when you go to paradise, remember me. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Now, he, got, he snuck into heaven. That, ain't, that wasn't right. He did whatever he wanted to do and then got it on the cross. That, I mean, Lord, I'm sorry, I can't say that wasn't right. Forgive me. I got to be careful. Okay, it, but the last shall be first. And the, I mean, we can't, we can't tell people how they can get saved. Amen. And I'm going to tell you this. There are some people, they probably will. They're going to live. They're going to do everything they want to do, live how they want to live, and God's going to have mercy on them. And in the last minute, on the cross dying, well, he was dying. So that was, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be on the cross dying, hanging. But he was on the cross hanging, and he got into heaven right in the last minute. And there are people that I believe in this earth that get in at the right life. They're on their deathbed, and they they dying of cancer, and they have bitterness that's wrecking their body. But somebody steps in and say, hey, daddy, mama, you got to give your life to Jesus right now. And that's the goodness of God. It doesn't matter how I get in, whether I get in early or late. Thank God that I, I'm washed by the blood of Jesus. But see, everybody might not get that chance. Because everybody's not going to die slowly. Some people may die immediately. And that's Christians and unbelievers. You're on a plane. It crashes. You, you, you're in a car driving. Somebody comes and sideswipes you. Listen, it can happen at any moment. I don't want to play with that and try to do it. All right, God, how, how many seconds I got to live? All right, let me get my stuff in, then I'm going to repent. No, I'm not. Everybody's not going to necessarily have that moment with all their family around them. And they just, I love you, boy. You gave me a hard time. Do better. Hey, marry the man of your dream. Talk to the daughter. You talk to everybody. Talk to your wife. Thank you for staying with me. I know I put you through a whole lot of stuff. I mean, you go through everybody in your family. Then they play a kumbaya song and you go off to be with Jesus. That might not happen with everybody. 
I mean, we want it to happen like that, but that might not happen. Some of us might go in our sleep. It can happen. But no matter how I go, I want to make sure that when I do leave this body, that to be absent from the body, I am present with the Lord. And that never gets old-fashioned, old-school, out of, out, it never gets out of fashion. It is always an end thing to make sure that I am headed towards Jesus. By the way, if you die and you feel yourself going down, you better start praying for mercy. Say, Lord, put me back in my body so I can get this thing right. Because it's real. Tell your neighbor, say, it's real. Mm-hmm. So I believe you can be sure at the same time, it's just like you can get saved at the last moment. I do believe, and I'm not saying God is the ultimate judge, but I believe that you can miss salvation at the end. In other words, you could be saved right up until the point and then lose it at the last moment. It's a moment of time. I think about the five foolish virgins. They were in position. They were right with the five wise virgins, but it was a moment of time. Jesus came. And they were out of place. And they tried to go get some more oil, but it was too late. Are y'all with me? So, I mean, the question is, were they saved before? Were they? I, I don't really know, but I know they were in the same position as the five wise versions. Here goes, here goes the one thing, if I would say anything, that it's one of the most sneakiest, drift awayer techniques. I'm making up a word unforgiveness. And I'll show you this today because unforgiveness, the Bible says the love of many will grow cold. Love, when it grows cold, that means it's harder and harder for us to forgive people. You, you did me wrong and I'm going to get you back. If it's the last thing I do, I'm going to get you back. And you get them and you do get them back but you're suffering in your body, and you miss heaven. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, it is not worth it. I'm telling you, I will not miss heaven for bitterness for anybody. I will not miss heaven because of bitterness for anybody. I don't care how much they cut me off the road when I was going somewhere. I don't care how much they told me I couldn't cook or I was ugly. I don't care how much they told me this or told me that. It doesn't matter. You're not worth going to hell for. And how many spouses, when they get to, they get to, they say, God, say, God, how did I end up here? He said, because you never forgave your spouse. Come on, marriage ministry. I would say something, but I can't with everybody here. So my point is this. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, watch your heart. Unforgiveness could sneak in. And it's swift. You say, why do I find myself feeling a certain way about people every time I see them? They laughing. You frowning. They having a good time. You mad because they having a good time. That ain't a real praise anyway. (laughs) Now, it's real, and I know it's touchy, but there is healing. And it's time now to get healed. Don't wait till you're 90 years old. And on your bed, and you holding on to it for the next 40 or 50. That's the devil, isn't it? I ain't holding on to it that long. I'm moving on with my life, amen? And I know that they can't control my life. God controls my life. 
and they can't stop my blessing, God can stop my blessing. That God causes favor in my life. God causes increase in my life. And God causes promotion in my life. Give a shout of praise if you believe that. All right. Basically, can I keep on sinning and proclaim Jesus to be my Savior? Is that okay? Is that cool? Now, let me just say this to you, and I won't, if they get it up on the script, the Bible says narrow is the way that leads to, to, that leads to life. Excuse me. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. In other words, there's more room for people going to destruction. Okay. Now, I didn't say this. My master said this. It is <clears throat> the, the danger. It was quiet. I like that. That means people listen. Amen. The message of grace. Let me say this to you, and I'm going to say something to you that's going to take you maybe for some of you a while to figure out and get in your mind. The Bible says, rightly divide the word of truth. Every truth, you got to make sure you divide it the right way. Because if you cut it the wrong way, you'll have a misunderstanding. The truth about grace, if you cut it the wrong way, it can lead to error. Which can, which can have every one of us drifting away from the truth about grace. For instance, the same grace that forgives you of sin, justification, it's the same grace that removes the power of sin, sanctification. And it's the same grace that will give you a new body in the New Jerusalem, glorification. It's a three-phase grace. When you got saved, when people get saved, and there are people, some people today, maybe they have not made Jesus their ruler master. But when you get saved and make him Lord, the Bible says confess Jesus to be Lord, by the way, not Savior. Because under his rulership, you get everything that comes with his territory. And in his territory, you have salvation, prosperity, healing, everything that comes under his rulership. Some of us don't want Jesus to rule, but we want the benefits of his rulership. Okay, so it says, Jesus, it says Romans 10 verse 9, confess Jesus not to be Savior, but to be Lord. So when he's master, ruler over our life, we're justified. It's just as if we never did anything wrong. Hallelujah. The devil can't bring up what I did two years ago because it's already forgiven. My neighbor can't bring up what I did two years ago because it's already forgiven. My own family member can't bring up what I did two years ago because it has been forgiven by the blood of Jesus. The Bible says, oh, what joy for those whose record has been, has been counseled, who, who have a clear record in so many words. I'm, I'm probably not getting it verbatim, but basically that's what it says. And it says, and it says but then you move over to, to sanctification. Now, Sanctification is so many words, it's where we start looking like Jesus, start talking like Jesus, start walking like Jesus, start responding like Jesus. We start being Jesus part two. Are y'all with me? If we cut off that process, we cut off grace. Okay? Y'all with me? So the same grace that saves us or justifies us, cleanses us of all of our sins, is the same grace that sanctifies us. And this is the question that I have because I want to give you the first point because it's about understanding the truth about grace. Because I'm, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna, hopefully I'm going to give you some signs today that even if you're not drifting away, you'll know if you ever start. Amen. And the first point I want to give you is that one stops believing the truth. Say, he stops believing the truth. 
she stops believing the truth. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Everybody can't save you. Confucius can't save you. Buddha can't save you. Well, I think we need to be more open-minded. Jesus said, narrow is the way. Amen. It's not a lot of room, only one. And that makes it easier, so you won't have to go through a whole lot of saviors. There's only one. His name is Jesus. Believing the truth, we stop believing the truth. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Tell your neighbors and neighbor, don't drift away. It says, let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before you welcomed it then, and you still what? You still stand firm in it. It means it's, it's, it's current. It says, it is this good news that saves you if you do what? Continue to believe the message I told you unless, of course, you believe something that was never what? Never true in the first place. So, my dad used to always say this, you can't get saved right off of wrong information. Let me say it again. You can't get saved right. I'll say it again. It might be, it might, it might be a couple years old, but it still works today. You can't get saved right off of wrong information. Somebody said, I gave my life to Jesus, but what did you believe? Okay. We have to believe the right way to get saved the right way. Is this okay that I talk about this today? Because it's very important that we realize this in this walk with Christ. I don't want to make a whole bunch of money and do all these great things and miss it at the end. Amen? I want to be, be found right with Jesus at the end of the day. Can I get a shout of praise? Can somebody shout to Jesus for that? Okay. Yeah. So, Say, believe the truth. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, <clears throat> it says right here, Paul was dealing with a church that was beginning to compromise the gospel truth. They were beginning to mix the truth. In Galatians, it says, Galatians chapter 5, verse, verse 1, it says this, because this is, this is what we should believe, that Jesus is the only way. Say, he's the only way. Only way to God. Okay? Paul says this in Galatians 5, verse 2. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. He says, I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. But if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been what? Cut off from Christ. And you have what? Fallen away from grace. Circumcision is not the way. Good works is not the way. Jesus is the only way. And most people, some, not most people, sometimes we have the idea, I'm a good person. The Bible says, no, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Well, I give to charity. That's still not good enough. I mentor people. That's still not good enough. Are y'all with me? We have to believe that Jesus is the only way. Not us, not our good works, not our self-righteousness. Our righteousness is like filthy rags. It doesn't even really count. Amen. So we believe that Jesus is the only way. So when we find ourselves drifting away from Jesus being the only way, it's a sign we're drifting away. Here goes the one I put right before I didn't say it, but that Jesus is Lord. He's ruler. Say, he's Lord. He's ruler. Number, the other point I got on here is, is we believe in the death 
in the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Two weeks ago, we celebrated the resurrection, or about a week ago, sorry, it was two, week, two weeks ago, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, it, it, it never gets old to talk about his resurrection. But whenever we start saying, well, I don't really know. I mean, they did say they found some bones over there in Jerusalem somewhere that might be here. No, they ain't going to ever find them because he's still, he, listen, why would people get up and be so radical about this Jesus and Christianity is still here today if he didn't get up? Something had to happen. They sealed him behind a tomb, y'all ain't talking to me, with two soldiers and he still got out. How do you get out with two soldiers and a sealed tomb? Because he's alive. That's how you get out. And he is what he says he is. And he's nothing less than nothing short. He is the Son of God, the Messiah, the soon-coming King. That's who he is. I still believe that he's alive. Okay? So whenever you drift away from the fact that he, he resurrected the truth, then we are drifting away. Mm-hmm. Number two, we stop seeing the character of Christ formed in us. That means the fruit of Jesus. Say the fruit. Listen, <clears throat> I've used this example, I believe, before. How many of you have children? We're the mothers. Mothers, y'all need to be out here next Sunday. Amen. We're blessing the youngest mother, the most seasoned mother, and a mother with the most children. Amen. We ain't talking about spiritual children either. Amen. <laughs> Well, he kind of my child. He live on my block. That ain't your child. All right, let's keep moving, Josh. All right, so here's the thing. When you, when you had those kids, those babies, they came out crying. The dad crying, or if he's there, you know, if he's crying. He already got on Facebook. Amen. So the, so the baby, you know, he got all that stuff over him. That's an interesting sight. Amen. Not like I've seen it. Maybe I have. But anyway, so they, they come out, and they clean them up. And they, they take them and they give them to the mom and they, the mom, the baby is just right there on the mom and the mom just speaking things over them and the dad is speaking things over the child and say, I love you so much. We're going to give you the world. We're going to take you to Disney World every week. Hallelujah. You're going to play basketball, football, baseball, soccer, lacrosse all at the same time. We're going to make sure you go to every event you want. We just love you. so. That's what they're saying there. We love you so much. We're going to give you the world. you crying. And then, and then you take them home, and people got all the baby shower stuff. You got the baby shower stuff waiting for you, the pampers. You got the, what else you got? I don't know. That's I'm stopping at the, I ain't got no kids. Ba- pampers, the formula. Let me go to the side. Y'all not helping me. The pacifiers, the toys, Avengers toys. I guess that's kind of early for Avengers. Amen. Who you have? You got Barney. I'm not giving my kids Barney. I'm gonna tell you that right now. I'm not giving them a purple dinosaur to play with. They just anyway. That's my. Y'all getting y'all getting offended? It's not scripture. I'm just telling you what I'm not gonna do. Amen. You guys, and so you bring them back into their little crib, and this, the crib is nice. They're just in their crib, and they stand in your bed. You know what I mean? I mean, they stand in their crib, in your room. Amen. Sometimes they might stay in your bed. That's another story. The devil, well, anyway, um, so they're, they're with you, and, um, and, they're, and they're, they're just grown. And you're just looking at them, and you're like, oh, I just so hope. Oh, you, just, you just stare at them while they sleep. Aren't they so cute? 
And when you got them from the doctor, by the way, I didn't mention, they, they said the baby weighed about nine pounds, five ounces. That's a big baby. <laughs> How many of y'all ever met someone that had a child that big? Lord help you. Amen. We got to pray for them. Amen. Nine pounds, five ounces. Okay. That's what you got when you left. The, that's what you had when you left. Okay. Now, <clears throat> three months later, you take them back to the doctor. Amen. Probably, I don't have a time, right? I know it might be early in that, but just go with me. This example. So, you take them back to the doctor. I know mothers are just getting on me. You take them back to the doctor, and you get them checked out, and you weigh, weigh the baby again. And, and they say, you know what? They say, and you're thinking, man, this baby probably about, thir- about what is it, about 15 pounds by then, 16 pounds? 20 pounds? I don't know what I, y'all, just go with the example when the pastor is talking. Y'all get what I'm trying to say. So you go there, you thinking that, and uh, so you go there, and, the, and they like, they like, they like, mm, something, they start scratching their head. You're like, bro, Doc, why are you scratching your head? This baby still weighs nine pounds and five ounces. Something must be. See, it's a problem when babies don't grow. But sometimes it's not a problem when Christians don't grow. Y'all ain't talking to me. If it's a problem when we don't grow naturally, it should be more of a problem when we don't grow spiritually. And let me tell you this. If the baby is not growing, they're either sick or they're about to die. Something's not right. So if we're not growing, let me suggest it to you, we are dying. We are drifting away. If we don't see the character of Christ being formed in our life, it could be a sign that we have been cut off from Jesus. Character, that means his love. Character, that means purity. And by the way, when that seed is sown in you, it comes with everything you need to be just like Jesus. But you've got to activate it. Tell your neighbors and neighbor, you've got to activate it. Yeah, you do. You got you to make sure it's, it's activated. And so it's, it's our job to make sure that we do what we need to to continue to form the character of Christ. I'll give you a scripture, John 15, verse 5. Hopefully this is helping some of you out today. This is just it's giving you some bearings for where you are. I believe this is one of the most important questions. Am I saved? Amen. It's one of the most important questions that we can ask ourselves. Amen. I know you preach. You know, even preachers can go to hell. Y'all ain't talking to me. I ain't going to be the one. I ain't going to be the one doing all this preaching and y'all see me getting tossed. That ain't, that ain't going to happen. Y'all better come get me. If y'all see me, come get me. I ain't going to preach all these messages and miss it myself. The devil is a liar. Amen. Amen. John 15 verse 1 says this, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't what? It doesn't, it doesn't what? Produce fruit. He cuts it off. That means when we're unproductive, God is saying here that he cuts off that which is unproductive. And he says this, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. So you say, I'm getting pruned. Well, it must, it's a good sign. You, you, you bearing fruit. Amen. That do bear fruit, so they will do what? Produce fruit. He says, you have already been pruned and purified. How many ever feel like you're just getting cut on? God, why are you cutting on me so much? This could be a sign that you are productive. He's trying to get some more fruit out of you. So it's a good thing. He says, you have already been pruned. And let me tell you, if you live your Christian walk and your Christian life and you never feel like you're being cut on, I'm going to suggest to you, you're not still in it. You've left it. Every once in a while, he should, he should cut you about that bitterness that tried to step up in your heart. 
Every once in a while, he should cut you about the fact that you haven't loved on your brother and sister or you haven't given. So every once in a while, you should feel a cut. He should cut and say, you looked at her the wrong way. That's not your wife. Y'all ain't talking to me. He should cut on you, my goodness, with this summer weather coming about. Hey, man. Everybody wearing the, never mind, let me stop. Let me go back up here. I felt something. Everybody turned to Mr. Flex and Mrs. Flex. Amen. He said, you looked at them the wrong way. They didn't see me, though. It doesn't matter. I saw you. How many of you ever had the Holy Spirit just to tell you off? No, I saw you. He'll convict you. But, the, but my church brothers and sisters didn't see it. It doesn't matter. I'm trying to deliver you from hypocrisy. He cuts on us so that we can be even more fruitful. By the way, let me give you a word. If you can get out this, if you can crush the small fox, it will never become a big fox. If you can get it while it's small, you'll cut it off before it grows to be a big problem. There's some things that we watch and we bring in, and we wonder why we can't grow because we're malnourished. Y'all ain't talking to me. The, the Jesus is not growing up in us. The sinful nature is growing up in us. And so, and, and, and I don't want you to be, again, what did I say? I don't want you to be offended, but I'm just, we have to, we have to sense, when you get around the Word, the Word should be doing something to you. Every once in a while, you should, you should read the Word and say, God, you ain't have to say it like that. <laughs> How many ever read a scripture and say, God, you ain't have to say it like that? That hurt. He said, that's okay. I'm, I'm going to get some fruit out of you. Glory to God. But tell your neighbor, say, fruit, fruit, fruit. Hebrews 6, verse 7 through 8. And I'm, I'm going to come to a, I'm going to land this plane. Amen. So Hebrews 6, verse 7 through 8. Say, 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 neighbor, say, I got a question for you. No, matter of fact, I got a question for myself. Say, I'm going to stop talking. I got a question for me. Say, where is your fruit? Amen. When the ground soaks up the falling rain and bears a good crop for the farmer, it has God's what? Verse 8. It says, but if a field bears thorns and thistles, it is what? The farmer will soon do what? That field and burn it. I tell you, I don't like fire. Amen. This is the fire of the Holy Ghost. He says, hey, he'll condemn. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, the Amplified Version, it's the next scripture that I have on there. It says something. It says to test and examine ourselves to see if we be in the faith. To test and examine ourselves. And it, see, and it says it a little bit different right here. It says, I'm going to go down to part B. It says, do you not, do you not, no, I'm going to part A, sorry. Examine and test and evaluate your own selves to see whether you are holding to your what? Faith and showing the what? So our faith should produce fruit. It's not just a mental agreement. The Bible says faith without works is dead. There should be something alive in our faith. Amen. Jesus, he, you know, he really didn't have altar calls. If you really study Jesus, he really didn't have altar calls per se, but what he did say is come follow me. In other words, surrender, follow me, yield to me. And I believe that one of the disservices that we've given the body of Christ sometimes is that we just believe, we just believe, we just tell you to agree with something, you got it. Sometimes you don't have it because you might say, yeah, that's true, but where is the lifestyle of submission? Because to be honest, some of us, we have a mindset. I, I, I know we can all have this. How many ever just served God or you just, you just called on Jesus because you wanted fire insurance? Y'all know what that is? That means you just didn't want to go to hell. Or you called on him when, when life got hard. 
He said, I'm only called. What if you, what if somebody only called you when they needed money? Let me go to the side. Somebody said, I ain't answering. What if somebody only called, you, you said, what do you need? You don't even say how you're doing. You say, what do you need? That's a problem. I wonder if some of us, that's how our relationship is with the Lord. We only call him when we need him. Well, we need him every day, but sometimes it's good just to praise him. Say, Lord, I don't want to ask you for anything. I just want to tell you how good you've been to me. That's why I shock some parents. Some parents, their child come and say, Mommy, what do you need? And they say something like, I love you. Then you give them everything in the world, don't you? That's all you got to say. What, what do you, how do you think God feels? Say, Daddy, he's, he, you know, Daddy's just man, what you want? I ain't paying no more money for that sports team, dude. And say, I just want to say you're the best daddy ever. Oh, see, you see what I'm saying? Children try to work every time. Amen. Well, sometimes. Don't use it too much. You got to know when to use it. We'll talk later. This is the thing, though. This is the thing. I'm not, I don't want to mislead anybody. This is the thing. <laughs> My point is that is our relationship with God just get me out of trouble? Is that what the basis of it is? Just to get me out of trouble, God. Or is it, God, I just want to have a relationship with you. I want to abide in you. Because when you abide in him, that's when you produce the fruit. And the fruit is the sign that we're connected. Amen. Say amen. The fact that I'm being nourished, the fact that I'm being fed right, the byproduct of it is fruit. When I live, the longer I live, well, now I've kind of stopped growing to a degree. But, you know, between a certain age, when you kept eating, you kept what? Growing. It's, it's a sign of life. And can I tell you this? The next point, it, the next point I want to say is one stops, the never, number three point, one stops desiring spiritual nourishment. Here goes the other thing. You lose your spiritual appetite. That's the sign. The hunger for the things of God. It says in 1 Peter chapter 2, and I want to read this to you, verse 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, it says this. Like newborn babes, Babies, you should crave, thirst for, earnestly desire the pure, unadulterated spiritual milk, that by it you may be what? Nurtured and grow into what? Completed salvation. Look at what it says in verse 3. Since you have already tasted the goodness and kindness of the Lord. Can I tell you this? One of the signs that somebody's about to die physically is that they lose their appetite. They stop eating. Nothing wrong with watching Avengers and having your eyes glued to the screen and eating popcorn. $10 popcorn. Got a Twix over here. First of all, that's too many snacks. If you go over and start getting Twix, that's just too, just stay with the popcorn. You know what the doctor said. Come on. Got a slushy on this side. It's just too much. It's just, it's not, slushies are not even real. I mean, there's, anyway. So you got slushy right here, you got a Twix, and you got popcorn. You don't have to do all that, just drink it. And then, so you, you're looking at the screen, and you look at your clock. You start off at 5 o'clock, 5 o'clock showing. When you leave out, it's about 8 o'clock. No problem. Best movie I've ever seen. Here goes the sign. When you read the word, you read the first, you read the first verse. Oh, there's more things to do. Are we serious? Can we give more time and attention to an Avengers movie than we do the Word of God? Are we more hungry for what Thor is doing than we are what Jesus is doing in the Word? 
see spiritual nourishment. It's cool for us to give more attention to a three-hour movie than we do the Word. When we find that dwindling, it's a sign we're clocking out. I'm just telling you, people who are living, they eat. They have an appetite. Amen. Thank God. Amen. Number four, one stops loving other people. Love, say love. Bible says love is patient. Love is kind. When we stop being patient and kind with people, I just don't got no time for that. Well, you can say it just like she said it all you want to, but it's a sign <laughs> that you are clocking out. And I'm going to tell you this, nobody is so good that they can't step down and help somebody else. I just don't got time for people who do what? What you just did? Yeah. No. They should just know better. You, we should have known better too. But God still had mercy on us. That's why. That's why I thank God. It's good, to, it's good to thank God and say for a marriage class that you can come in and talk about sex and intimacy. Where people, you don't have to be judged. I got two classes, but that's how all of us got here. Amen. And that's one of the biggest issues that marriages are struggling with. I'm not in the class, by the way, if that relieves you. We got some marriage leaders that are going to lead this class talking about sex and intimacy in a way that's going to help people. They're going to show patience with people. And it's not because they have everything together, but I would say it's because they want to help people. Love is patient with people. Love is kind to people. I'll be honest. We all need to have a conversation with somebody every once in a while, tell them what's going on, and allow them to be patient with us. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not about, it's not about me. One of the signs that you know that it's not about, you know, everybody can tell they love their kids because they know their kids. They, they, they stay up, they stay up 22 hours, get two hours of sleep for their kids. But you let somebody else ask them for that time. They ain't doing it. They say, I, I love you, but I don't love you what? Like that. And Pastor, I love you, but I don't love you like that. Kid comes home, everybody's in the bed. All right, have a good night's sleep. Don't let the books, but the bed books bite. I don't know why people say that, but they. So you're in the bed, and they sleeping, and everybody got the lights off, and it's nine o'clock. It's a perfect family. Well, eight o'clock. Let's do eight o'clock to work on my story. I'm closing, by the way. Eight o'clock, and everybody's in bed, which is a perfect family. That don't really happen, but some people might have it. But eight eight o'clock, everybody's in the bed sleeping. Everybody's snoring, and 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 the kid comes and taps you on the shoulder while you sleep. Ah, what a boy. I forgot. You better tell me what you forgot in two seconds. I got a project due tomorrow. Now, how will you sleep? God must have spoke to you in your dreams. Amen. He said, I got to get some materials. Let me see your paper, boy. You snatch it from him. Then you make a whole bunch of noise. And then sometimes the other person don't want to help you. They just keep sleeping like nothing's going on. I'm not talking about anybody. I'm just saying. But the, and, you, and you get up and you, you speed down Office Depot because it closed about, what, 9 o'clock, somewhere around? You, they already closed at 8 o'clock? Well, you got to go to Walmart. Walmart. And you go to Walmart with everybody and their mama. They just walking around, <laughs> you know. And you going around fast. Hurry up! That's love. Now, you might have yelled a little bit. That wasn't too much. But the other part was love, that you would deny yourself for somebody else. 
Then you can't just get the materials. You got to probably help them with the project if it's the night before. Be honest, some of you parents do the project. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. I ain't going to say nothing. I ain't telling them the Holy Spirit might be saying, but I'm just telling some of y'all. And, you better get an A on this. Give, give me that. Give me that glue, boy. That's love. How many of your parents ever stayed up with you and worked on a project? That's a good parent. I know back in the day they didn't have too many projects, but we had projects. Amen. So anyway, so love, okay, you stop loving people. The Bible says, the, and, and, and we, it's really, I would say, almost like a last day sign that when we stop loving people, it, it's, a, it's a last day sign. The last thing is we, we, stop, we stop repenting of sin. We're not sorry anymore for our sin. We don't, we don't have a remorse for what we do. We're just like, okay, I did it. One of the signs of a hardened heart is that you become unrepentant. You don't repent anymore. It's a stubbornness that comes over us. It's not that we don't still go to church. It's not that we still don't praise God. But when God hits on that certain area, you say, God, I refuse to change from that area. I refuse. I refuse. And we might not say it out loud, but in our heart, that's what we're saying. I refuse to change. Say your neighbor, neighbor, Repentance. Repentance. It's a sign that we are falling away. Revelation chapter 16, verse 9. I want you to hold that scripture. Romans chapter um, 1, verse 32. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, I don't want to drift away. And life can hit you fast, and I know it can throw you off course, but it's not worth it. I'm going to still serve him. And it says this, verse 32, they know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to what? Die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them. They know. And the Bible says even in verse 28, it says, that he abandoned them. Let me read it. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, verse 28, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Matthew 3, verse 8, it talks about, I believe, the fruits of repentance. There has to be a fruit of repentance, but really that comes with a sorrow. God, I did wrong. I, I messed up. Revelations 2, verse 5, I believe, really going to hit it on the head. Revelations 2, verse 5, it says this. It says, it says, in 2 verse 5, it says, look how far you have what? Fallen. It says, turn what? Back to me. And do the works you did at what? And he said, if you, who is this? This is Jesus speaking. He said, if you don't repent. What, what happened? They had fallen because, in the, and what was connected with that fall? They didn't repent. He says, if you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. He said, I'll come remove it if you don't repent. I believe when we stop repenting, we find ourselves falling away. If you've got to repent a hundred times a day, do it. Lord, I'm sorry. I don't under, I can't get in the presence of God personally. I'm talking about really getting the presence of God. I feel his love, I feel his joy, I feel his people. Sometimes I feel his conviction on me so strong. 
And it might be relational. It might be you talk. I'm going to be honest. You talk to your mom. Y'all know, thank God for First Lady Lockett. Amen. Amen. But sometimes I know as a child I'm not the best child. I can, I can admit that. I'm just telling you. We have conversations that go, that go, um, <laughs> that get kind of intense. Amen. And, and, and I still, you know, but then I, and I get convicted and I have to go back, Ma, I'm sorry. I'm not perfect at this, but Ma, I did wrong. I'd be like, Ma, you got, you got to say something. What you going to say? <laughs> Lord, forgive me. I know that was wrong. Okay. So this is the point. What I'm saying is that I've got to stay repentant. As a pastor, I've got to stay repentant. I could tell you why sometimes in the church it's the biggest mockery and biggest embarrassment because leaders don't know how to stay repentant. And it's pride. It is pride. It is pride when you refuse to change. Because we all can make mistakes. Show your kids that, yeah, I, I love Jesus, but sometimes I make mistakes, and I just don't make mistakes. I repent when I make mistakes. You don't got to tell them all your business. I understand that. But I'm just saying, you need to show them that you are broken before God. Because if not, it'll raise up another generation of prideful people. I can do what I want, how I want it, and I will not turn from God. I will not turn to God. I don't know about you. The Bible says he's, he's able, he's just able to forgive us and cleanse us from all righteousness when we confess our sins. And I know I can make a mistake here and there. And I know I miss it sometimes multiple times a day. Amen. Whether it's on a road driving or doing whatever, I can, I can miss it. And you know what we need to say? Lord, forgive me. I pray to the Lord. I say, Lord, first of all, one of the things I do most of the time lately, I just say, Lord, I forgive anyone who hurt me and did me wrong. Because you can't be forgiven if you don't forgive others. So I knock them out first. I release them. And I'm going to tell you, as a pastor, you can come around a lot of people that can, y'all ain't talking to me. And as in your life, you can come around a lot of people that can do you wrong on your job, rolling their neck. Forgive them. Then I say, now, Lord, forgive me. Cleanse me. Then I go into thanking God. I don't even go into thanking God before I get the sin knocked out. I'm not saying I do this verbatim and it's a every single, but, I, but, I, but there are moments where I go forgive others. I'm forgiven. Then I go into Thanksgiving. Then I start making my requests known. We've got to stay broken before God. Now, so with that being said, there's a couple things we want to do in closing. Number one, ask God for a desire to please him. Number two, repent for anything you've done wrong. If, it, if I just was talking about something that came up in your heart, that could be the Holy Spirit saying, you need to repent. Change your mind. You've fallen away. You need to repent and return back to your place in me. I've got greatness for you. But you've got to change your heart, your mind. And then lastly, make a fresh commitment to follow Jesus. Fresh commitment. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I know that as we've looked at these areas of repenting, loving people, fruit or character, believing the truth, Hungry for, your, hungry for spiritual nourishment, that some of us may have seen some of these areas in our life, Lord. And I pray that we will allow your spirit right now just to check us in love. Because, Lord, you wish that none should perish, but that all come to e eternal life. And, Lord, we, 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 just, we just thank you that, Lord, it's not just about what we say, but it's also what we do. Because what we do should be a result of what you've done. 
And grace doesn't just work to justify us, but it works to sanctify or change us or transform us. So, Lord, I pray that that transformation power of grace be released right now in our midst, that we won't just talk in allegiance to you, but we'll live in allegiance to you. And we know that what you require, God, requires you. We need your help in order to live this life. Jesus, that's why you came. But I pray that we will not cut off your power to make us fruitful. Lord, you want fruit. I believe you desire fruit. You want to see increase. You want to see change. That's your desire. You don't want us to stay the same. So, Lord, if we cut you off and we're not growing, it's been years of even being called saved. We haven't seen any growth. Lord, help us to check our hearts today. In Jesus' name. Now, with every head by every eye closed, I want you to lift your hand if you fit any of these categories. I don't want you to be ashamed. I don't want you to be afraid. This is real. We, we all make mistakes. I hope you have grasped from my time of talking that we all can make mistakes. But the question is, have you made Jesus your Lord? Have you, have you made a conscious decision to follow him? And, and for whatever reason, I know that people come in, they have issues that happen, the death of a loved one, the loss of a job, the breakup of a, of a, of a marriage, a, a divorce that scarred you. Whatever happened, some news you found out that rocked your world. But whatever it is, sometimes these things get in our life and they take us off track. But today you can get back on track. Today is the day you can get back on track. And I want you to get ready. If you need to get back on track, you say, I feel God telling me, get back on track. This is my day. I want, you, I want you to get ready to raise your hand. Also, you say today, I don't see any fruit in my life. I don't see the character of Jesus being developed. I used to, but now I don't. I don't. It seems like it's been cut off. I'm stagnant. And thirdly, say, if I die today, I'm not sure I would go to heaven. Sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not, but I want to be sure. I want you to get ready. And then lastly, you say, Pastor Josh, I believe I'm, I'm supposed to be a part of this, this ministry to grow and to develop and to use my gifts for the glory of God. And I, and I want to be a part of it. And I also want to be a part of Connect Day and, and to find out more about it. And if that's you, I want you to get ready by the showing of your hands when, when I count to three. So if that's you, you fit any of those categories. When I count to three, just slip your hands up. One, that's you. Get ready. Two, get ready. Just, just lift your hands up. I want to pray with you, pray for you. When I say three, lift your hands up. But that's you. This is your moment. I would love to pray with you. Three, slip your hand up. You say, pray with me, pray for me, Pastor Josh. I see that hand right there. Is there anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Raise it up high. That's you. Raise it up high. Raise it up high. Raise it up high. God's calling you. Feel him calling you today. Give a couple more moments. I'm going to give a couple more moments. Is there anyone else that says, Pastor Josh, I fit one of those categories, and I need you to pray with me and pray for me. This is my moment. I feel God tugging on my heart right now. I want you to slip it up. Do me a favor. Stand on your feet. We're going to all pray together. Thank God. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Today, I make a conscious decision to follow you for the rest of my life. I believe, Jesus, that you died for my sins. You were buried. You rose again. You are alive. And from this day forward, I thank you that you're working on me. You're changing my life. And I'm becoming more like you. And I'm going from glory to glory in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, everybody say amen. Come on, give a shout of praise to the Lord. Hallelujah. 
Thank you for tuning in to this week's show. Were you empowered to become a team player? Let us know. Connect with us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram at Triad Christian. Facebook, Triad Christian Center. And you can also visit our website, triadchristiancenter.org. We look forward to hearing from you and invite you back next week to The Movement Podcast.